His precious blood atoned me. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory is Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew Him and all my love is to Him. He plunged me to victory. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing, my redeeming. Now he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. Somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. For victory is Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him. My love is to Him. He plunged me to victory. He lived a cleansing blood. I heard about a mansion. He is built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. With his redeeming blood, he loved me, I knew him, and now my love is to him. He plunged me to victory, he needs a cleansing blood. For victory, Jesus, my Savior forever. With his redeeming blood, he loved me, I knew him, and now my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the next song that we're going to sing is a new song. You know I love to talk before new songs just to fill you guys in on them. Um, so it's called God of the Promise. And what I just love about this song is that it's 
just such a happy song talking about the promises that we have from God. And you know, it says we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait for the walls to fall because I know a name that will bring them down. I've got a praise waking within my soul. I'm not ashamed to declare it now. Says light of the world, trample the darkness. Nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. Every word will be accomplished. You are the God of the promise. And I just love those words because in the Bible, there's a lot of promises that God has given us. And we know that he is going to keep those promises. And so I just hope you guys enjoy this song. We're going to sing it now. <laughs> Awkward, right? Sing with us. Sing with us. Pretty easy song, too. to fall Cause I know a name that will bring them down And I've got a praise waking within my soul And I'm not ashamed to declare it now I know the world trample the darkness And nothing can stop you are the God of the promise. Every word will be accomplished. And nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. And prepare the way the King of glory comes. And before his name. From the grave, he is with us now. And light of the world, trample the darkness. And nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. Everywhere will be accomplished. And nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. The gates of hell will never stand a chance. Your name prevails. Jesus, the great I am, the word will fail. No weapon formed against your name prevails. Jesus, the great I am, the gates of hell will never stand a chance. Your name prevails. Jesus, the great I am, the word will fail. No weapon formed against your name prevails. Jesus, the great I am. And light of the world, tremble the darkness. 
nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. Every word will be accomplished. And nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. Amen. You guys just want to take a moment and greet each other. Greet each other. Sorry. Take a moment. <laughs> Beginning to the end, all my life is in your hands. This whole world may hold me down, but it can never drown you out. I'm not merely flesh made for something more. You are God, you're the great I am. Breath of life, I'll breathe you in. Even in the fire, I'm alive in you. You are strong in my brokenness. Sovereign over every step. Even in the fire, I'm alive. I'm 
promises, God, and we thank you that we can go to you, Lord, and that we have this opportunity to just praise and worship you today, God. I just pray that you will be with each one of us, Lord, as we continue with worship, God, that you'll just touch our hearts. Prepare us, Lord, for the message that we're going to receive today, God. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you. You give life, you are love, 
You bring light to the darkness you restore every heart that is broken and great are you Lord. it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lives, so we pour out our praise to you, Holy Lord. Great are you, Lord. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your day in our lives. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your day in our lives. So we pour out our praise. You only it's your day in our lives. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your day in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you, Holy Shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Oh, the earth will shout your Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our 
I praise it's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to only it's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you, Holy Lord. Great are you, Lord. And great are you, Revival, 
we want to see your kingdom here we want to see your kingdom here king jesus you're the name we're lifting high your glory shaking up the earth and skies to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Oh, spirit break out. You break our walls down. Oh, spirit break out. Heaven come down, oh, Spirit break out. You break our walls down, Spirit break out. Oh, heaven Lord, thank you, Lord. Just allow God to minister today. If you're in the need of something, if you need God to show up, He is here. How many of you need a physical touch in your body? You're struggling physically and you just need God to touch you. Just raise a hand wherever you're at. Look around you. If you see someone, Carol needs someone to lay hands on her. We got Constance, Pastor Nancy. If you need God to do something, I need you to raise your hand and we're going to Miss Elaine back here. Church, get out of your pews. Come lay hands on someone. Just begin to pray. We need, we need God to show up. We need God to do something today. We've just been singing about spirit breakout. We want God to do something amazing in our midst. And that requires His people doing something amazing. And so, as... Uh, God leads you, begin to pray over these ones. And uh, we'll, I'll close our time together in just a moment. But I just want you to obey the Spirit of God right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you're 
the name we're lifting high your glory sailing up the earth and the skies revival we want to see your kingdom here we want to see your kingdom here the name will lift behind your glory, shaking up the earth and skies revival. We want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Spirit break Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 17 God is speaking to his people and he says you will not have to fight this battle take, the, take your positions and stand firm for you will see how the Lord will save you Judah and Jerusalem do not be afraid God sends his worshipers then first to do the battle that we cannot we have to trust in him we have to lean into the, the resources, the tools that we have to fight some of the battles. Scripture says this battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and powers. And so we need to confront the enemy where he's at. Lord, we thank you. We pray for each one of these situations represented here today. We pray healing. We pray comfort. We pray deliverance. We pray confidence. We pray boldness. We pray deliverance. Father, we pray that you would provide exactly what they have need of in this moment. Father, that you would remove their pain. That you would remove their aloneness. And that they would sense the community of believers that they are part of today. We thank you for this opportunity to be part of your body. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. One of the things as I was uh, praying this morning is, is this word community. We are Bellbrook Community Church. And the word community means a unified body of individuals feeling and sensing a form of fellowship that allows them to share a common attitude, interest, or goal. 
And so we are a group of people who have a similar belief structure, who believe that God is believes that God is able to meet the needs of our lives, that He is a real and tangible God manifesting Himself in such a way that we feel Him, that we sense Him, and then we have the opportunity to transfer that to someone else. We have the opportunity to lay hands on someone else, and they get that sense that God is real and present because we touch them. See, we are the physical manifestation of God to this world. We are, as Scripture teaches us, His hands and His feet. We're His mouthpiece to this generation, to this world. And so our responsibility is to go out and to touch people. To let them know that God loves them. And so thank you for participating in this moment. This year, it is a goal of mine that we will have many moments where we will touch the pain, the aloneness, the challenges, the trials, the struggles of one another, and that we will help encourage and strengthen them in the midst of this time. And so just be aware of the goal, the desire of my heart is not that we just do more, but that we do what is effective and what matters. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. I am so excited about this year of prophetic vision. Dealing with the things that God has placed on us. Our focus for this year is prophetic vision. It is the ability to see the full potential that is available for us and those around us. Now, how many of you believe you see your own full potential? Is there anyone? I'm glad that the majority of you are not raising your hands, because I would tell you that on average, we probably only utilize um, 25% of our full potential. I think God sees so much more for us. Now, how many of you see greater potential in your children than what they see in themselves? Yeah. That's the, that's the gift of a parent, a father and a mother. And our responsibilities is, as parents is to declare that over their lives, right? It is to tell them, you can do more. See, prophetic vision is the ability to see beyond our current situation to what is possible. And many times the challenges that we face are as we only see the, the things right at the edge of our nose. We only see to the, you know, to the extent of our current problem, our current situation. And it's hard to live life when you're, all of your focus is on your current struggle. Because that struggle is not going to be at the end. You have to see beyond. And sometimes we need the assistance of a father or a mother to tell us that we can go further. That we can see beyond. And see, God the Father 
sees our full potential. Scripture says he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what we are capable of if we will just make different decisions. How many of you know that just getting up five minutes earlier and reading the Word for five minutes as a start can be a huge change in your full potential? Five minutes. If you've not been reading at all, five minutes is is great. But I guarantee you, the more you start doing it, the more you will realize five minutes isn't enough. But see, it takes somebody speaking into your life that you can do a little bit more. You can go a little bit farther. When I was lifting weights regularly, I always lifted with a group of guys. And when you hit this wall in your lifting, these guys would be yelling at you. <laughs> you would think they were mad. But they weren't. They were, they, were, they were pushing you. They were trying to get you to go beyond this wall, these limits. And, and you wanted to go further because you, there was this intensity that was rising and you just couldn't wait to go to that next place. And then you broke through that wall and you accomplished that next piece. And everybody, and weightlifters rejoice with each other. They're hugging on each other. I mean, they're all sweaty. It's, it's a nasty thing, but they don't care because they're already, but they, I mean, it's just this environment. You'd think they were in church, but all they did was help someone push beyond a wall, push beyond a limit. See, I believe as a church, God is calling us to push each other, to prod each other, to move each other beyond this wall that we're hitting. And some of you may not realize you're hitting a wall. Because you come to this place of resistance and you think, this is as far as I'm supposed to go. I don't need to go any further because after all there's a wall here. And if there's a wall here, it means that I shouldn't go any further. This is my boundary. and I'm just good with this. I am content. I'm happy here. God, just let me stay in this safe place in my walls. And we don't realize we create those walls. You know, I, I remember reading the articles about uh, the, the four-minute mile and how years ago they used to say that it was impossible for man to ever run a four-minute mile. It was impossible. The human body was not capable of running that fast for that long. Until someone did it. And then, once one person accomplished it, then you had this rapid number of people that were doing it because one person proved that it wasn't a wall, it was just a boundary. It was a limit. And my goal, my responsibility is to push you, to prod you, to challenge you, to go beyond your, your self created boundaries, limits, into what God wants you to do. See, and that's what prophetic, the prophetic vision is all about. It is someone else being able to see your full potential and pushing you beyond your current situation to the point where God can do something more. 
We have to allow God's word and God's voice to lead and guide us. And this is done by God's people leaning into times of prayer and fasting to hear from him. Now, from everything that I've heard from all of you, that this year was probably your most significant, substantial year of prayer and fasting in your life. I am so excited about that because what that revealed is it is the key to God taking us into new things. Taking us further than we currently are. Some people said, I never fasted completely, no meals, for three days in my life, and I did it this year. What? See, there was a wall. <laughs> How many of you would have ever thought you could fast for more than a meal <laughs> without dying? You know, I mean, let's be honest. We're, sometimes we sit and we skip a meal and we act like it's the end of the world. But then you, you make a decision, you set a goal, and you push through that first day and you think, oh, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> I didn't think I could do it. And then you make it through day two. And it's like there's a, there's a celebration happening in your soul. And then you make it through day three and you say, Lord, I truly can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, that's where we as God's people have to lean into God's word to see beyond our current situation to what is possible. For too long the church has made the prophetic this out of reach topic that is only for special people. And the reason is, we hear the term referring to prophets. Now, there, Scripture talks in about in the book of Ephesians that God has gifted the church. One of the categories, one of the five categories of people is prophets. These individuals are, are there to resource the church universal, bringing and declaring future events. That position of a prophet is different than prophesying. See, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, says, I would like all of you to speak in other languages, but I would rather have you prophesy. The person who prophesies is more helpful than those who speak in other language. But that is not the case if someone explains what was said in other languages. Then the whole church can be built up. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the church. He is writing to the church. I've told you many times that the Apostle Paul wrote the letters in the New Testament addressing current problems that the church was struggling with. And so Paul was encouraging the church. He's saying, listen, I think it's important for you to speak in tongues. But more important to that is that you prophesy. And the word prophesy in this area, in this uh, capacity, is this ability to encourage, to build up, to console. It is the ability to declare that this situation is not unto death, that God will help you. And so when we are looking at this ability to prophesy, as it is indicated here in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, 
The, the primary responsibility for someone walking in this, this area of the prophetic is that you are walking with God and you know His Word. So when someone comes up to you and, and, and shares with you out of the book of Jeremiah that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a, a destined future. What they are doing is prophesying over you God's word that God is going to do something, that God has a plan. So anytime God gives us a specific scripture to share with someone and we begin to share that, we are prophesying over them. My wife and I have done this throughout our children's growing up years is we will pray scriptures over our children, pray the potential that we see in them we, we pray things and we declare it out loud. Because here's something that is important. If God gives you something and you keep it in yourself to yourself, it is not a prophecy. Because a prophecy requires declaration. It requires you actually saying something. When we declare God's encouragement over someone, we are prophesying over them. But it's that declaration piece that is so important. When we declare God's potential over our children, we are prophesying over them. Now, I'm not just talking about just being real positive. You know, there is this, this mentality in our society that we just need to say positive things. I'm not saying just positive things. I'm saying declare God's Word over them. If Someone in your family, if someone that God has put on your heart is struggling in an area of sin, and we declare God's ability for that individual to rise above their sin and overcome, we're prophesying over them, but we're not just saying positive things, we're declaring God's word in their life. Now here's something that I think is important. We can prophesy over ourselves. Anytime we declare God's word out loud over ourselves, we are prophesying, we are speaking encouragement to ourselves. It becomes prophetic when we declare it. God's word was not meant to be some book that is, shared, that is stored on a shelf. It is meant to be alive and active in our lives. The word of God is living and active, able to divide bone from marrow. Scripture says out of the book of Isaiah that God's word will accomplish what it was sent out to do. So there is this active presence in God's word that begins to happen when we declare it. That's why the public reading of God's Word, even in our homes, is important. When you are in your times of prayer and it's just you, read God's Word out loud. Why in the world would you keep that time just quiet? Now I know technically it's quiet time and so we think quiet times means we're quiet. But really, it means that we're spending time between us and God and we're having a conversation with Him. And we should talk to him out loud. We should voice the things that are going on in our spirit. We need to begin to speak the things that God gives us 
for those in the body of Christ. If we want our body to grow and become who God has called us to be, we need to begin to speak God's word. Now that leads me to our focus for today. God's love has a prophetic edge to it. God's love has a prophetic edge to it. This last week, this topic of love has been running around in my mind, and I've been reading scriptures throughout Old and New Testament about God's love. And, and I've been wrestling with it, trying to out, Lord, what in the world is, are you saying about this? What is this peace, and how does, it, how does this mix in with the, the prophetic vision that you've given me? And I just wasn't able to connect all the dots through the week until last night as I was pulling it together. I was praying. I was, I was getting frustrated because I had lots of notes and I wasn't sure how they were coming together. And I, there was a, a seed of desperation inside of me saying, Lord... <laughs> I need to hear from you. And so as I kept praying, and God kept bringing me to John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Anyone who believes in Him will not die, but will have eternal life. God began to show me the prophetic declaration of his love in this verse. Anyone. I'm one of the anyones. How many of you are part of the anyones here? <laughs> Anyone who believes in me will not die, but will have eternal life. This thought process of God's prophetic love that was sent out over the world became even more evident with these other passages that God was leading me to. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, A message from the Lord came to me. The Lord said, Before I formed you in the, your mother's body, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart to serve me. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. The prophetic call of God's love before Jeremiah was ever born. Psalms 139, 13-17 said, You created the deepest parts of my being. You, you put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful. I know that very well. None of my bones was hidden from you when you made me inside my mother's body. That place was as dark as the deepest parts of the earth when you were putting me together there. Your eyes saw me, my body, even before it was formed. You planned how many days I would live. You wrote down the number of them in your book before I had lived through even one of them. God, your thoughts about me are priceless. No one can possibly add them all up. Can, what does that do to you to think that God has so many 
recordings about who you are. Uh, last night as uh, um, Tia and Michael were going through some pictures on Tia's phone, and they were going back to... Um, they were talking about when they got their phones, and so they were saying, well, these are the beginnings of my pictures, and it was of Jonathan's birth and stuff, and, uh, you know, or not long after that. And so they're, they're laughing about all these moments they captured of Jonathan back then. Um, and I just, and it was so pertinent to me because I had already written this down. This is how God is with us, that he has countless memories of us, from that very earliest moment, and they are priceless to him. God thinks about you. God thinks about you. And you are important to him. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says, God chose us to belong to Christ before the world was created. He chose us to be holy and without blame in his eyes. He loved us. So he decided long ago to adopt us. He adopted us as his children with all the rights children have. He did it because of what Jesus Christ has done. It pleased God to do it. God adopted you before the foundation of the world. He wrote your name down. He said, you're mine. <laughs> and he endued you. He blessed you with all the rights of being children of God. So church, the things that God has recorded in His Word that talk about the promises, even as uh, Meredith and our worship team were singing the song about God's promises, the promises of God are for His children. And we have the opportunity to experience them, to benefit from them, because before the world was created, He knew us. And He made a decision to adopt us. God loves people. God loves you. God loves me. Have you ever felt unlovable? <laughs> Have you ever been at a place in your life and thinking, how in the world can God possibly love me? What am I worth to God? And God brought me back to John 3.16. God so loved you, He sent His Son to die for you. How important are you? God sent His Son to die for you. That's how important you are. God loves you. But here's the truth. It's not enough to know and believe that God loves us. It is not enough to know and believe that God loves us. We have to do something with it. We have to allow that love to move us to be declarers of God's love for other people. And when you participate in activities like we did today, where you laid hands on people, I saw people hugging on people, loving on people, touching people in, in a way to let them know that they're important. I know not everybody is touchy-feely. I understand that. 
But there still is a need that we have to have someone touch us. Now, I did not grow up in a touchy-feely home. But the first time I can ever remember my dad hugging me and telling me that he loved me was when he dropped me off to go to college at the airport. So I was 19. The first time I can remember my dad hugging me. But I had experienced in the church people loving on me all the time. And something happened when I came into a relationship with God, I began to understand that love is not bad. (laughs) I just had learned it wrong for so many years. You know, love is not about punching somebody. Love is not about breaking something. Love is about being present in the midst of people's pain, in the midst of their moments. See, that's what real love is. Love is about laughing with one another. How many of you enjoy laughing? I love it when we're going here and I hear laughter going in the, in, in the midst of your discussions. I love laughter. Laughter is a... Laughter's such an important part of what God's called us to do, to be present with people in the joy and the sadness. I, I love seeing God's people get together and cry together, weep together. You know, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon says there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time for death, but there is a time for life. There's a time for tearing apart, and there's a time for mending. There's a time for breaking down, there's a time for building up. See, and that's where this process of of prophecy is so important in the body of Christ, because it is meant to build us up, and we live in a world that daily works at tearing us down. And if the only time you ever have anybody declare the hope and potential of you is on Sunday morning when you come to church, then you need lots of it. But I pray that through what we're learning this year, it will change and you will begin to experience this building up process, not just Sunday morning or Sunday throughout the day, but every day throughout the week as you begin to meditate on God's Word. It is the prophesying of God's Word over our lives that will begin to release us into new things. And one of the important areas that I believe God is calling us into is this whole area of love. We need to love each other differently. We need to love each other more. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus is uh, having this dialogue with the uh, um, disciples. Jesus is having this dialogue, not with the disciples, with the Pharisees. 
And they're trying to entrap him. They had been trying to lead him into conversations about the law to ensnare him. And so they, they're trying to become, they're trying to be smart in this. They're trying to, to get him to say something that will give them the ability to bring accusations against him. And so they, they ask him what the, the greatest two commandments are. And Jesus replied to them this. He said, the greatest two commandments are this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your mind. This is quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. This is the first and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. Leviticus 19.18. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament these New Testament commands. The Jewish culture was based upon a culture of laws. Some 600 laws that they had to abide by. And, and they were always, the Pharisees were, were legislators of the law. <laughs> and so they were always illustrating or giving example about how someone was breaking the law and how they were living their faith out. And Jesus says, listen, the greatest two things that you can ever do, number one is love God with all your, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But then he said you have to learn to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now this area really brings out about uh, two big problems. Number one, who is your neighbor? Because you can't always change who you're living by, but right? Or who you're by. Because it's not just about who you live by, it is about anybody that you're sitting by. For instance, right now, Elaine and Constance are neighbors. They're, they're sitting next to each other. You know, Seth and Missa are neighbors. Now, they're also married, so they, you know, they're beyond neighbors, but right now they're sitting with each other. So, they're close to each other. And Scripture says we have to love each, that our neighbor. But he, he adds this caveat to it that challenges things because he says you love them as you love yourself. Now that really is a significant problem because many of us are, are limited in our ability to love because we don't know how to love ourselves. See, I realize that so many of my problems that I was dealing with were because I had a poor self-image. I didn't love myself. And so it was easy to do things that were self-destructive because I didn't love myself. And, and Jesus was saying that you have to love yourself because it is out of that love you have for yourself that you will be able to love other people. Now, I'm not talking about this love of self where you stare at yourself in the mirror and think, oh, I'm the greatest thing on the face of the earth. That's not love. <laughs> That's another problem. We could go into a deeper problem there. What I'm saying is we have to have this understanding that we were so valuable to God that He sent His Son for us, that He loved us so much that we were important. And we need to know that we are important in somebody's eyes. God is calling us to join Him in the prophetic declaration of His love to the people around us. 
And the great thing about this is God is not asking us to get freaky with it. God is not asking you to be weird to declare His love. He's just wanting you to to be who you are. Do you realize that God loves you for who you are and He called you knowing that's part of you? God knew long about my God knew about my sense of humor long before my wife came along. And he still called me. You know what? That's scary sometimes to think about. God knows every intimate detail about you. And he called you and he wants to use those aspects about who you are. Some things need to be brought into control to a different level of alignment. But God knows you and he wants you to use the gifts and talents that you have to benefit the kingdom of God. Jesus called the woman of the well in John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, who <laughs> was living with, what was it, husband number 5? Huh? Or he wasn't as her husband, but living with man number five. And he says, this person you're living with is not your husband, you know, and you've had five. And Jesus looks at her and says, hey, I know you. I know God, what would you do if someone came to you and say, said to you, listen, I know your pain. I know all the things that are going on in your life. I know everything you're struggling with. As a matter of fact, let me list them for you. <laughs> Church, do you realize that you have caught the eye of God? That He knows you. That He could list off all the things about you. And he didn't do this. He didn't list the sins of this woman to condemn her. He listed them so she would be aware that God had noticed her. And noticed her pain. And really what God began to do in this woman's heart, and as Jesus began to interact with her, did this transformation inside of her. And Scripture says she ran off to her village and told everyone. And, and there was a revival that took place in this community because Jesus loved a woman in the midst of brokenness and in the midst of pain. He loved her. And God was able to do something. Church, I realize there are people all around us that are doing things that are not right. And sometimes that is us. And God doesn't want us to beat someone down. He wants us to call them into a place of love. He wants us to let them know that God sees them. He notices them. He knows their pain, and He wants them to be aware that He still wants a relationship with them. That is our part in this this life that we've been called to live is to go into all the world and to love people. <laughs> yes, it's to make disciples. But let me just tell you, you're not... Jesus had to love the twelve because He spent three years with them.
And it broke his heart when they didn't do things right. He loved them. You can't spend that kind of time with people without loving them. Now let me just tell you, there may be people in the church you don't care for. But guess what? When Christ calls us home, you're going to spend eternity with them, so you better start liking them a little more. Because you're going to spend the rest of eternity worshiping God with these people. Whatever identity they've placed on themselves, God has the ability to call them out of whatever they're doing into a place of understanding that God finds them to be valuable and important. I better give you this. I'm not sure if I went over it or not. I know I've covered it, but he didn't try to make her feel bad. He just wanted her to know that he saw her and knew about her pain. Has anyone ever made you feel as if you mattered so much because they talked about your pain? <laughs> um, our friends in South Dakota that lost their uh, uh, son to a car accident, a year or so after uh, his death, as we talked to them, they talked about how valuable it was that people talked about their loss, their pain, their son. Sometimes when some, we know somebody has a pain like that, we avoid discussion about it. I, let me give you this example. Um, how many of you have ever known somebody who's lost a limb? Arm, leg, whatever. Sometimes we are so fixated on that limb that we can't talk to them. We're afraid to bring it up as if it's you know, going to create this huge amount of pain, you know, that embarrassment. <laughs> and these people have moved, many of them have moved beyond the pain of it. It's part of who they are now. It doesn't define them. It's just part of their experience. And, and we avoid talking to them because of the pain. And sometimes people who have lost loved ones, their friends, their family avoid talking to them because it is uncomfortable to talk about their loss, their grief, their death. So we limit our ability to love other people because of things that make us uncomfortable. I remember the first time I sat down and I had a conversation with someone who had chains attached to every part of their face. It made me so uncomfortable. It's like I was so fixated on how in the world can you do that? And now I was supposed to love them. But, but I struggled loving them, them because I was visually impaired. <laughs> I allowed myself to focus on things rather than someone who was broken. See, I believe regardless of what you have going on in your life, when you are apart from Christ, you're broken. Because God created you to be in relationship with Him. And, and the point of Christ's coming is to restore us to relationship with Him. God wants relationship. And so our responsibility is to help people be restored to that relationship, which means we've got to get beyond all the visual things that hold us up. 
God knew us before the foundation of the world. If God knows someone that intimately, why should we be afraid to talk with them, to love on them? John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me. Instead, I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last. I also appointed you so that the Father will give you what you ask for, and he will give you whatever you ask for in my name. God chose you to be a bearer of his good news. To be a declarer of the love of God. The prophetic purpose that we get to openly declare is that God loves people. God loves people. Men, women, children, however you want to break it down, God loves people. God wants a relationship with you and every person you come in contact with. Scripture says it is not God's desire that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, whether you believe it or not doesn't change the truth of it. You can't change anybody. You can't change your spouse. How many understand that? (laughs) You can't change your children. I don't care what you force them to do. But what you can do is love them and you can show them how to do things differently. See, when we teach our children how to do things differently, how to love differently, one of the things that I am becoming more intimately aware of is my issues around the topic of anger. Anger was such a common topic for me growing up We lived as angry people. How many know what I'm talking about? An angry household. Everybody was angry in my house all the time. My dad had to become quite, you know, handy at fixing walls and windows because we broke them all the time. You know, putting our fists through windows and walls and, you know, breaking things. It's just because we were angry. And we showed our anger through a physical action of some sort. Didn't make it right, but it was the only way we understood to show our anger. Somebody or something got hurt. So when I came to a place of a relationship with Christ, I categorized anger as bad. And I I determined at that point that I was never going to allow myself to get angry. My children can talk to you about some of these things, my wife, because in the midst of a heated argument, I, have to, I tell them we have to shut this down because I cannot allow myself to get angry. <laughs> because it was bad in my mind. But now I understand that anger is part of how God made us, and it is only bad when we allow it to have a bad manifestation. But we have to quit telling people, don't be angry. What we do is have to show them how to communicate their anger in a way that gets them to express it and deal with it. Because otherwise, there will be a physical manifestation that's not good. So we have to teach people how to do it differently. We have to teach people how to love differently. We all need to learn to love people in a new way because God has given us the requirement to love people. And we have to do that 
by loving ourselves differently. So before we close today, I'm going to give you a little assignment. And it's going to have some physical manifestation right now. Because I'm going to ask you to get in groups of five, six people there and talk about how you can show God's love in practical ways to people you come in contact with every day. Now I know by me giving you this assignment, some of you are thinking, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody else today. That's okay. Get into a group and, and still talk. Because I'm called to prod you, to push you, to challenge you. And so I'm, give me five minutes, okay? Get into a group, come together with somebody, talk about how God can help you to show love to somebody today. So I, I should hear you talking here for a few minutes, and then I'm going to close this in just a couple minutes. So merge together, move together. If someone's not moving, go to them.
I love hearing the conversations going on and even some laughter. Hallelujah. Praise God. Alrighty. Praise God. You can continue on your talking here. Um, <laughs> praise God. A um, couple things I want to highlight. Number one, Paul Newman, one of our elders, has been putting on our crew app, started last week some little nuggets that he is gleaning from the sermon to encourage some discussion. Taking the message from the Sunday into a deeper level. So I want you to be aware he's already started it today. Some of you just get on the crew app and read. I'm going to encourage you to get on there and interact some. Give us your input along the way. This week is Grief Share, uh, this coming Thursday. So just be aware of that tomorrow night is our Discover School of Ministry time, and uh, we want you to be aware of that. Also, next Sunday is what? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Our men's group is planning a Super Bowl party starting at 4 o'clock down in the Fellowship Hall. Isaac's organizing this. And so, if you have any questions, talk to Isaac. Bring in your favorite Super Bowl-ish food. We're going to start playing cards at 4. Game, we know, doesn't start till 6. Um, but you are invited to come out and fellowship and enjoy some food. And we're just going to have a good time together next Sunday. Also, a week from Sunday, so two weeks from today, is what? Super Sunday, big fundraiser. We've got Elevate coming up. How many of you um, got JP's information about Elevate? Parents? Okay. 
If you have any questions, talk to Sherry. But you can go on and register. You don't pay right now because we pay as a group. But you need to register. Registering is important. It says you're going. So please make sure you talk to JP about that. Joe, I'm sure, has information. He's down there most weeks. And so Joe can answer some questions, Sherry. But talk to them. Get registered. And JP made a a provision on there that if you're an adult and you'd like to capture one of the nights, be able to attend church service, um, that you can do that, that they have a special rate just if you're coming for that service. And so we want you to come and be part of it if you can do so. So those are a couple of the primary things. Um, If you're willing to make um, a bowl of, uh, or a pot of chili, or some of them make some other soups that are not chili, which is great. And we have this big super cook-off in two weeks, and it'll be after service. And we encourage you to bring some cash, because that's a fundraiser for our Elevate time. And uh, we're just believing God's going to bless that, and we're going to be able to have a great time of fellowship and eat some great soups. So, any other announcements that I need to be aware of? Nobody's right now? All righty. Women are meeting on the 16th. 6.30, where? Down in Fellowship Hall. All righty. <laughs> Isaac's throwing it down right now. <laughs> I almost saw Missy come over that pew there. I just I didn't realize she had it in her. <laughs> All right, so the women are having a, uh, a get-together on the 16th. <laughs> Praise God. All right, let's pray, and we're going to bless our offering. Ushers, come. Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to uh, discuss the love that you have for us and that you love people. Help us to partner with you in being uh, declarers of your love to love people the way you love them, to love ourselves, to to get beyond our own hang-ups to a place that we can love people better. Father, we thank you for today and your word and the things that you have encouraged us with this. And um, we also pray a blessing over this offering that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your church, and we thank you for it. We ask for this in your name. Amen. God bless you after the ushers pass the place by you. You are dismissed to love on one another.